Hi, welcome to another episode of Can Youth Exploration, your topic in a podcast. You know, you will see a lot of books around me, right? I, I love books. I, I often go into the bookstore and just purchase books, right? You know that I'm also a published author. And I basically love to read books and engage with people who are authors. And, and, and I know that those persons who write like myself, we often write about our life experience. We Experience not only mean that the things that we have gone through in our life, but the things that we have seen and we try to, to write about it. I have written Oriental Ghost just to ensure that the beginning of this COVID situation lives on for years and years to come. So I had written Oriental Ghost as a documentation of that. You will see that on Amazon as well. Well, you know, I have a guest today, Perry Brown. She will be talking about her books and how she gets started in this writing thing. You know, it, it must be a, a very exciting, very encouraging story for those persons who want to write. And Terry will tell us all about that. And some of the things that you need to do if you are going to be engaged in this writing thing. What do you need to do? The research that you need to have done. Trust me, this, this writing thing is not a, an overnight thing, right? There are a lot that goes into it. And my guests will talk to me about that, will talk to us about that. I am Dr. Kenyut White, and you're listening, you're watching Kenyut Exploration, your topic in a podcast. Let me, let Terry in. Terry, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. But Terry, I'm going to put you on the spot later because there's a question that I love asking my guests. Perhaps you know about it. And uh, it's important for my listeners, my viewers, to, to understand where you're coming from. But before that, Terry, um, who is Terry? Let, let me find out who are you really? Who am I? Well, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. And and no, actually, you know, I hope that that answer changes all the time because okay. um, I kind of went through a period of my life. Uh, I was a mom and I was raising, I have four children and I was raising them. And I really, really, really focused on being that mom. But I kind of let a lot of the rest of me and who I was and what made me happy and what made me tick kind of sit on the sidelines. I don't regret that. I'm glad that I did what I did for my children. But now that I'm kind of past that stage, I hope that every day I'm learning something new and every day I'm becoming something more and that I'm constantly like stretching and whatnot. So, you know, who am I right now? I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, I'm a wife. Um, and I am a relatively new author and I put my first book out in January. So cool. I love that. Congratulations on that. But this is the question I want to ask you, ask all of my guests. Tell me about your childhood. Was that little Terry growing up at age six, age eight, 12? All right. So I was born in Athens, Greece. My dad was in the Air Force and there was a joint Air Force base there. And um, I don't remember it. I, we moved when I was two. Um, then we, I was in Canton, Ohio. Um, when I was four, I used to tell people that I wanted to be three things when I grew up. I wanted to be an Olympic ice skater. 
which is really interesting because I am the least athletic person you have ever met in your life. And then I said I wanted to be a brain surgeon, which is also interesting because as I got older, I recognized that I don't like the sight of blood. So brain surgery was never going to be it. But I also said that I wanted to be an author, which I think is really cool that I actually got one of the three right. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so, you know, I think in my early years, I was, you know, the pretty traditional American kid. You know, I rode my bicycle everywhere. I played tag outside until it was dark. Um, I, you know, I had a mom and dad who who loved me and I, you know, went to school and and I wrote poetry as a teenager um, whenever a boy would hurt my feelings and, you know, like crush me. You know, I wrote the, the typical teenaged angsty poems. Um, and, uh, then we moved to North Carolina when I was 15 and for about a year, I hated my parents. I could not believe that they had, you know, uprooted me and moved me to this. It was a tiny, tiny little town in the middle of North Carolina in 1979, there was one stoplight and I had come from a town where I could get on the city bus and go to the mall with my girlfriends. Right. And now I was in this town that had more trees than people. And I just, I felt like I had been completely uprooted and, and I, I was very angry. I, I really could not believe that they had done this to me. But as it turns out, I still live in North Carolina. So it's over 40 yeah. years and here I still sit and I love it here. And I'm so glad we moved. Um, I, I went to the North Carolina School of Science and Math, which was a really cool experience for, for my last two years of high school. Uh, I went off to college and I didn't even consider getting a degree that had anything to do with writing because my parents believed that college was to get yourself a degree that would get you a job and writing was not a job, it was a hobby. And so no way would they have entertained the idea of me getting, you know, a, a degree in anything that had to do with writing. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I have two majors and two minors and I haven't used any of them. So it was a complete, well, it wasn't a waste of time. I'm glad I went, but I mean, right. I, I've never actually taken those degrees and did what my parents suggested, which was get a job with them. Um, and then I got married. I had four children. Uh, I got divorced. I remarried. And that was probably one of the biggest mistakes of my life because he turned out to be an emotionally abusive person. Okay. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the early years. I don't know how far you want me to go. Ah, I, I see that you have moved away from childhood, but that's okay. I, it's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Because, you know, I, um, my, my listeners, my viewers will always hear me say that our adversities are not for us, but for others. And we have all gone through some sort of adversity in our life. Yeah, we have. There's no so, doubt. So, so, yeah, I understand. But, you know, before I continue into some of the questions that, that um, geared towards your book, your writing, you, you were in the, the, the military, the Air Force, um, some form of a... Um, no, my, my father was. My father oh, yeah. was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so oh, oh. go ahead. Yeah. So, so as a, as a small child, my dad was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is, is even though I don't have a lot of memories of those, those years, I do 
have a strong feeling of patriotism because that really shaped my dad. Um, my grandfather, his father was in World War II and that shaped my father. So my father wanted to join the military the way his dad had. And that kind of shaped me in terms of like, what do I think about the country that, that you know, is mine, that I live in? And I mean, I grew up with a flag in the front yard and to this day, my parents, my mom, my dad has passed now, but my mom has a flag in the yard with the, with the light on it and, you know, the automatically goes up and down and the whole thing. And, and it's just very much part of who I am. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And so you were a military child as yes. well. And, and that's important, right? You have served, even though it wasn't you directly, you have served because you have put up with daddy, not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so hey, Terry, this this writing thing, I I'd like to get into that. Uh, you know, how did you start writing? What tell tell us about that that beginning? So, you know, it's it's interesting. I started writing in two thousand for small businesses. Okay. And I did it because I I needed a job where I could be at home with my children and still bringing in an income. And I found that there were a lot of small businesses who had amazing ideas, but they weren't very good at getting them down into words. And so when you would go and look at their websites, for instance, the articles and things that they would have up weren't very good and didn't reflect really who they are or what they could do. So I started working with small businesses, helping them with their content to make it so that they sounded as professional as they really were. Um, the number of times I would have people tell me, oh, I have an article and I just need you to brush it up a little bit. And I would read it and think, oh, it needs more than that. You know, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. but so that's where I started. And I really, I wanted to write fiction, but I was afraid to write fiction because when you write an article for a small business, yes, there was some of me in it in the way that, you know, how, what word usage did I pick? But really the topic had nothing to do with me. And if someone didn't care for the article, it was probably because they didn't really care about home inspections or, or, you know, real estate investing or whatever it was that I was writing about. And so there wasn't anything terribly scary about that, but writing a novel, I mean, those characters are yours. Yeah. You know, they're your invention. They're like your children. And if someone didn't like that kind of writing, well, that's a whole different, that's just totally different. And at the time I was living in this emotionally abusive relationship. Yeah. So I, I couldn't handle the thought of, of being put down again. I mean, I was constantly being put down anyway. And so I didn't believe I was good enough. And I just, I just didn't get started and wouldn't get started. And I finally got out of that relationship in 2017. Uh, it took me 14 years because I'm bullheaded and I in, was insistent that I could fix this thing. And it, you know, it takes two people to fix it. And yeah. he wasn't willing. But the minute I got out of that relationship, all of a sudden the words just they were there and I started writing and I wrote my first manuscript. It was 50,000 words. It's not good. Mm -hmm. It really is not very good, but it was my first one. Yeah. 
and it had a beginning and a middle and an end and it was 50,000 words long which meant that I had that many words in me you know because that's always a fear I'm going to go write a novel and I'm going to get you know 3,000 words done and that's going to be it (laughs) I'm going to have nothing left to say you know so it was like okay I can do this but what I learned was for instance that my first character that I wrote she was perfect absolutely perfect the woman could do no wrong um it was like you know sharks would be after her and she would just come up looking beautiful i mean i couldn't i couldn't let her fail well because of that she was very flat you know and she wasn't exciting there was nothing that you wanted to read about her you didn't connect with her because you don't know anyone that perfect she was rather yuck but that's where I was at the time. So my second uh, okay. manuscript, yeah. yeah, in my second manuscript, I realized, oh, I need to have, like, there has to be, like, character flaws, and there has to be issues, and she can't, or he can't become perfect immediately. I need to let this person fail. It, it needs to feel yeah. more like real life. Right. So the second, the second manuscript is not a whole lot better than the first, but I learned and then i had a third one and then a fourth one and finally i wrote sunflowers beneath the snow which is the one that came out in january so wow, wow. you know it, it's interesting because you said something about hey i wrote this character but guess what happened that's where i was yeah and, and, and it tells me that you know writers like like us we we tend to write about where we are a lot of time build characters uh, based on the experiences that we are having but but you know i need to ask you this yes that's where you were but did did it ever come to mind that comes to mind that hey i need to be somewhere else so let me develop this character that is somewhere else who is somewhere else yeah, I think that a lot of my characters, people ask me, you know, well, well, when you're writing, is it kind of autobiographical? And I said, you know, I don't believe there is an author out there that can say that their characters don't have a little bit of themselves. If, if they are doing that, that would really surprise me because all of my characters have me. And sometimes they have me the way I wish that I was. And sometimes they have me the way I used to be, you know, or sometimes they have me living like that alternate reality. What would have happened if I had made this decision instead? You know, where do I think my life would have gone? And that's the me that it is. But I think that that all characters have you in another space, you know. And so when I wrote my perfect character, she needed to be perfect because I needed to be perfect. I, you know, I couldn't allow myself to fail and I couldn't allow her to fail. But yeah, as I kind of moved into a different place in my life, I recognized that, you know, first of all, we all have times where we don't succeed as gracefully as we would like to. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. and that that's OK. And that that's what makes me human and that that's what makes my characters human and relatable. And so I was able to start allowing them to have real feelings and real emotions and real characteristics, you know, that, that make them very relatable to the people who read them. Yeah. This is Kenyut's Exploration, your topic in the podcast. I am Dr. Kenyut White sitting in with Terry Brown. Terry, 
I saw something somewhere on your um, website and, and it connects with me because you are suggesting that these characters that you have in your books, in your writings, are characters that your readers would like to go out with, go to lunch with. You know, they're, they're feel-good characters. Um, talk to me about that um, concept. I, I, when I read, I love to connect with the characters. And they don't even necessarily have to be someone that makes me feel good as much as it's someone that I, I understand. I understand their motivation or I understand what's driving them, even if I don't like them. You know, and I think, oh, that's a that's a horrible villain. I can say, but I know what's driving that character to be the way they are, which makes them real. And and although I might not want to go to lunch with that kind of character too often, I might love to sit down with them just for a moment, you know, and say, so tell me a little bit about your childhood or tell me a little bit about that time that just to kind of like you know, get to know them better. And since I love to interact with characters in my mind that way, that's what I try to do when I write. So I make sure that my characters have, you know, depth and passion and feelings and things that go wrong and ideas that are, are just totally incorrect, you know, that, that they have to discover themselves, that this isn't getting them what they want out of life, you know, that, that those thoughts aren't helpful to yeah. them and so yeah i try to make my characters and so that's what it says on my website is is that i uh, introduce my readers to characters they'd love to invite to lunch mm -hmm. so you know we, we talk about when you you started to write and, and some of the challenges that you have had and you want to 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 get them out there that people can read but but i i'm not sure if if it's deeper than that you know it might sound like the same question, but the why do you write um, more relates to where do you want your writing to go as it relates to impacting others? It's the readers. Right. Tell me about that. So, you know, it's interesting. When I wrote Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, you know, it's a story of Ukrainian women. And it happened to come out in January, right before this current Ukrainian crisis, which was completely just coincidental. Um, and I don't know that I had really considered what I wanted my writing to do. I had, I think I had just felt that, you know, I'm going to write a good story and people are going to read it. But because of the timing of this story, I realized that Sunflowers had the ability to do something which was introduce people to Ukrainians so that when we're thinking about this Ukrainian crisis, we're not just thinking about this group of people as a whole, but specific individuals that you've kind of met through my story. And then I recognized that's what literature really does is it introduces us to times and places and people and situations that we probably can't experience on our own. Or even if we could, maybe it isn't one we'd want to, to tackle, right. you know? So, you know, I could never be um, a, a president in the 1800s, but I can read about one, right? right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not likely to ever live in... Um, Africa, 
but I could read about someone who yeah. has, right? And and because of those experiences, that reading, I can gain like a compassion and an empathy for people and places and things that I might not have otherwise. It, it broadens my understanding of the world. And yeah. so that's kind of what I hope my writing will do. Um, I've just written my second novel, which will be coming out this January. It's called An Enemy Like Me. And it's the same kind of thing. I want people to start thinking about what is an enemy? You know, how do we how do we make someone an enemy? Well, we make someone an enemy by focusing on the things that are different about them. Right. But what if we did something different? What if we focused on the similarities? What would happen then? It's much harder to have an enemy if you can see how alike you are with them, right? And that's kind of what this book explores through um, the World War II as the backdrop. You know, it's interesting though. An enemy like me. I, I, I read a bit about where you're going with it. And, and it tells me that we might dislike the enemy. We might see the enemy as being, you know, not worthy but indeed we are like the enemy we 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 are just thinking like the enemy we're 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 really acting like the enemy what what are you really saying it's it's interesting that you said that yeah so to me because this story is about a first generation german american and he right. ends up fighting in world war ii in germany and he recognizes that in terms of the enemy and himself there are far more similarities than there are differences, right? And it, and it kind of is like, wow, that's, that's this concept. And I, my husband and I rode across the United States on a tandem bicycle. Yeah. Okay, so we rode 3,102 miles, which is a long time to be on a bicycle, you know, <laughs> yeah. out in the air and going across the United States. And that. we met so many people from all walks of life because when you're out riding on a bicycle you don't just meet people who are just like you yeah. right not when you're riding that far and yeah. so we we met people who grew up very differently than than i did or my husband did we met people of of different colors and different relation uh religions and different nationalities and different political orientations and you name it but you know what we found is that we were able to find a commonality with every person we spoke to. Definitely. And that as we did, as we focused in on those things that that connected us, everything that could have torn us apart didn't matter anymore. So, you know, you look at all of the, the isms that we have and all of the phobias that we have that, that people, you know, group you into these groups and then if that group isn't like your group, then you can't like that group, right? Because that's where the, the isms come in. And what if instead we just focused on the things that made us the same? Yeah. You know, you and I, we have a lot of differences, but the similarities are we both love books. Right. We both love writing. We both love what writing and books can do for people, right? Yeah. And we could sit and talk about that all day, every day for for weeks or months and it wouldn't matter what our belief systems were in other areas because we were focusing on the things that that made us the same and i think that that that's kind of what reading books can help 
do is you learn about people that you just wouldn't know about otherwise, and then it gives you a common ground with them. So that's what I'm hoping my books do. Interesting. And, and, and I mean, I, I am really enjoying this because it's very interesting. And, and I like that book, you know, the enemy concept. And, you know, it, it's very interesting. I'm hoping to read that when it, it gets out. Um, tell me, though, tell us, though, how long it takes you to write um, a novel? So, oh. yeah, I, I write very differently than a lot of people. Um, I used to think that I didn't do it correctly, and now I've just realized that I just have a process that works really well for me. Okay. So I contemplate a book for a long time, and, and the characters will be talking in my head, and I might make scribble a few notes, but I'm not actually writing anything. I'm just kind of letting the story percolate in my mind. Then I get a big period of time that I know that I can do nothing but write. And I usually go on a, a writer's retreat or something okay. where I'm not in my home and there's no dinner to worry about, no dog to let out, no laundry, nothing. It's just me and writing. Um, so I wrote Sunflowers Beneath the Snow and An Enemy Like Me. The first draft of both of those took two weeks each. Mm -hmm. So I just sit down and I write somewhere between 50 and 60,000 words in two weeks. And I just get the whole story out of my head and onto paper. Then I usually take about another week, usually a couple months later, I let the book sit. Then I go back and I read it again and I figure out, okay, where are the holes? What did I not say enough of? You know, which characters are lacking? Is there anything that doesn't make sense that I need to go back and, and, and fill in? And I'll take another week, you know, about a week of a, of a getaway from my home and work on that and get that second draft done. And then I usually spend somewhere between 40 and 60 hours doing all of the little edits that my editor suggests. Right, yeah, I know that. And then, and then it's kind of done. So yeah, I tell people that I'm a panster. You know, there are the people that, that plot everything out. That's not me, I'm a panster. My voices tell me what to say and I just start going. Yeah. Um, and then I tell people that I'm also um, a binge panster. So I might write for two weeks and then I might not write again for two or three right. weeks yeah. because I don't have anything left to say. And then I'll start writing again and do that again. So yeah, I'm a binge panster. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that. I mean, a writer, I know that. Sometimes you just take a break. It's not like yeah. nothing else to say that you, you know. Yeah. But, but exactly. again, I, I'm not sure if you're the sort of a, um, nocturnal person who will, you know, sit up in the middle of the night um, <laughs> and write like myself. Um, talk to me about that. Do you do that? Yes, I do. So sometimes, you know, you just can't sleep because whatever the thought is, you know, it's now got you awake. And so the best thing for me to do is to get up and and write whatever that is in my head. Um, sometimes I don't write it real thoroughly. Maybe I just right. write enough that I'll remember it the next day so that I can sit down and write. And then sometimes it just takes over and, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm in my office type, type, typing. So <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, all right. Let, let's talk to, to the young writers, those persons who are coming behind us um, in terms of writing, those, those persons who are thinking about writing, you know, just recently a, a gentleman come to me and say, Hey, I know that you're a writer. I have this book in my mind. 
and I want you to assist me with this book. So talk, talk, talk to that man and, and, and others. Yeah, I, I waited a long time. I kept waiting for the right moment or a class that I could take that would tell me what I should be doing or, I don't know, a degree or something. And I don't think that's the way to go. I think the way to go is, is if you have a desire to write, you need to start writing because you're not going to get better at it by thinking about it. You know, you don't become a better, a better tennis player by thinking about tennis and you don't become a better artist by thinking about painting. Right. And you don't become a better writer by thinking that you're going to write. You need to go ahead and just start doing it. And then once you've written for a while, I really strongly believe that you should have someone that you trust, that you can give your work to, who can tell you both the good and the bad. You know, what works for them, what isn't working for them. And then more importantly, why isn't it working for them? So that you can start developing your craft and learning what is it that is, you know, first, what is good? Because inevitably there'll be good things that are going on with your novel, um, but they're going to be bad as well. And so listen to those things. The third thing that I tell people is don't listen to everyone because your book isn't going to be for everyone. There's more than one style of writing. Um, you know, because it works for one author doesn't mean it will work for you. It's okay to try it. And if it doesn't work for you, it's also okay to say this, this particular idea may be good for some people, but it's not good for what I'm trying to do. And it's okay to put that away. So those are the things that I tell people. Yeah. Get started, get someone to look at your stuff and listen to what they have to say, and then be willing to also put what people have to say to one side so you can stay true to who you are. I love that. I love that. And uh, indeed, even, even as a published author, I take some of those advice from you too, because it's important for us to always remember some of the things that you have said um, so that we can get better and better. But Terry, I want now your contact. I, I, I will certainly, uh, my audience will certainly see here, uh, you know, you're telling them now, about your contact and they will certainly see in the description of this episode uh, where to go and find you. But tell us about your contact. Okay, the best place to find me is on my website. So it's www.terrymbrown.com and that's Terry with one R. So T-E-R-I-M like mother, brown like the color.com. And while there, you can find me on all the social media. So I've got a link to, to everything. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and I've even got a TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing on it yet, but I, I've got one. So you can, you can kind of find me there. You can also sign up for my newsletter. Uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, I will give you a list of the top or the 10 historical fiction that you've never heard of that will bring you to tears. So I had uh, several of my readers tell me about some great books that they had read. So I've got that list. Okay. Um, and I also have a contact page right on my website. Feel free to reach out and, you know, ask me a question or send me a comment. Or I love to talk to people who want to talk about books. Lovely, lovely. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Terry um, wants to talk to me and um, love to talk to me when she started because I love books. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Hey, Terry, nice having you on Can You Expiration, your topic in a podcast. Thanks for coming, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. So that was Terry Brown. You heard her. I mean, she is an avid writer. She loved books just like me and just like many of you out there listening, watching this episode of Can You Expiration, your topic in the podcast. I am Dr. White. And remember, check out Terry's website, www.terry with one R, terrymbrown.com. And you will find out how to get her books, uh, especially one that coming soon, right? You'll get more information on that. Um, keep keep in, in touch with Terry, right? And um, keep watching Can You Keep listening to Can You Expiration, your topic in the podcast. Goodbye.